Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to the very delayed Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'd like to apologize for the delay. Obviously, we went to go up last Wednesday. Then we went to go up yesterday, which is Sunday, if you listen to this on the Monday. But life kept getting in the way. A small update, which I'll go uh, more into for patrons, as I usually do. It's patreon.com for Simon316. Uh, just the Q&A videos we do about training and fitness and bodybuilding, which I have a lot of updates for, but that's not for today. Uh, it was the bodybuilding competition on Saturday, and I can only begin... I can't even begin to describe how difficult the week leading up to a bodybuilding competition is when you're tired and hungry and oh, just all, all kinds of craziness. Uh, but we're not going to get into that here because you downloaded this to listen to pro wrestling. If you want to hear more about that, like I say, if you're wondering why I do it behind my Patreon, I mean, it probably does sound like a, a marketing tool. It's certainly not meant to. It's simply because I find it it's more comfortable talking about it with a small community who wants to hear about it. And especially this, for reasons we're not going to get into here either. But that's neither by the by. More importantly, that's the reason it was delayed. I'm very sorry. So what I thought I'd do is we will do a uh, an Extreme Rules review now. Because Extreme Rules happened last night and then we'll be back on Wednesday. We can run down the week, run down Raw, SmackDown and anything else that has happened. And quite a lot has happened. But we'll focus on Extreme Rules for now. Uh, on Twitter at Simon316. Please join the Facebook group. Just look for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Please, please, please do leave us an iTunes review uh, we got loads over the last couple of weeks, and it really helped us in terms of ratings and, and all that kind of nonsense. Plus, it made me really happy. And sometimes it's nice to be happy, as I'm, I'm sure you all agree. Uh, and yeah, if you, if you want to support the, uh, the, the podcast in any, any uh, way, it is Simon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Simon316. And also, hopefully this will be up later today, but I may have to delay it till tomorrow morning now just because of all the craziness. But obviously, keep an eye out for The Week in Gaming, which continues to dominate the video games iTunes charts. I appreciate that. It's a very alternative gaming podcast, but people seem to be getting it and liking it, so I appreciate it. But let's not muck around. Let's talk about Extreme Rules. I did ask some questions yesterday. Hopefully, we'll do a quick Q&A at the end of this, uh, too. I thought Extreme Rules was a really good show. Now, as the day has gone on, I'm kind of hearing uh, differing opinions about what people actually, actually thought about it. Some people seem very high on it, and other people don't seem as high on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, do WWE pay-per-views feel as special as they used to? No, they don't. And that's because they're on the network, you know. It's not to say they can't be special because they're on the network, but, you know, 10 years ago where you're dropping... I mean, it is a statue of... Not a statue of limitations, but it's it's a financial thing. If you're, if you're paying 10 bucks a month for the network and WWE knows that you're there regardless, for lack of a better term, they probably should not treat them this way if they want to up that subscriber count but there is an argument there and it's a fair argument which says these do become more like special events as opposed to pay-per-view main events simply because you know your audience is already there and you're doing so many like you know i think we've had what three since wrestlemania or is it two we had backlash we had extreme rules we had payback, right? I swear that's we had three since WrestleMania, which is a lot. And then in two weeks we've got money in the bank, and then there's great balls of fire. And so they, they do they do swiftly become they they feel less important because they are less important. 
And I think that's why sometimes the way WWE books them makes them feel maybe lesser than they would be otherwise. I don't think that was the case with Extreme Rules. I thought from top to bottom, Extreme Rules... I mean, mostly I thought Extreme Rules was good because it made Finn... I'm going to forget one. I always forget one. But it made Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, and Roman Reigns all feel like genuine main event contenders. Like even Samoa Joe came out as the winner. I don't think anybody walks away from that not feeling like they would be a credible opponent for Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe for Brock Lesnar, or the US Universal title. And I think that's really important because I would say arguably maybe going in that wasn't the case. And that puts Raw in a really good position. You know, the more top stars you have, the more important Raw's going to feel. So I thought that was really good. Let's start with the main event. It was there. I thought it was a great match. I think it's the best pay-per-view main event WWE's done all year. Everybody proved, you know, each person in that, um, in that match has, has managed to gain a name for themselves, whether it was Finn Balor in Japan or Seth Rollins on the indie scene or Samoa Joe, because he's been around for so long and has been consistent to say the least. We all know the potential Bray Wyatt has, but it's never really been realized. And for all the hate Roman Reigns gets, as he proved again last night, he is very talented at what he does. And while he shouldn't necessarily be the top guy, for reasons we're not going to get into here, because that's been discussed to death, he deserves to be in that picture. Like, he has enough skill and talent and enough of a look to be a main event talent. And I thought everybody coming out, you know, felt that way. So even though we're going with Samoa Joe, which I have mixed feelings on, I'll get to that in a sec. You know, once that's all said and done, no matter what direction they get going, going it's not going to feel like, oh, this is, you know, pulling at straws. And hopefully that means when they all, um, you know, square off into their own feuds, whatever that will be now, that will help Raw as well. Maybe you can put them with some mid-card guys and it's a risk that because you don't want to take away their aura. But maybe you can do that and sort of elevate somebody else. I'll tell you why I'm glad Samoa Joe. I'm, well, I'm glad Samoa Joe won because Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar is going to be a fabulous match. It's a match we've never seen. Uh, and it... From that point of view, all of a sudden, it is very exciting because it feels fresh. When a match feels fresh, you're more inclined to stay with the build because you, you, know, you want to watch the match at the end of it. And we've got five weeks to all Great Balls of Fire. The other reason is I just don't think Samoa Joe's feud with Seth Rollins was any good. You know, it's nothing against either of those two guys. It just wasn't clicking. I wasn't massively enamored with seeing them have another match. So hopefully now this means Seth Rollins can spin, on with, spin off with someone else. I mean, what you do, I don't know. You've got four guys left. And you've got three faces and one heel. I think that's right. I don't think anybody wants to see... I mean, maybe you now can do the Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt stuff. That they teased a few weeks ago. And I think there is interest there again because it is different. I can't ever remember those two having a confrontation aside from the last few weeks with this Fatal Five way. So I'd be up for that. And if you are going to do Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins... I mean, Roman Reigns isn't really a face or a heel, is he? He's this weird quasi-character. Quasi so maybe you could pull that off. Maybe you could do that and make that feel, you know, special. I just know how much I want to see it, especially because I did see it on Raw, you know, five, six days ago, whenever it was. But you could do that. But I, I think that's why it's another good reason that Samojo won, because now I, I, I want to watch Raw. I want to watch Raw later, and I want to see which direction they're going to go in with all of these guys. And that's the key to all this. That's what a main event should do. It's got me excited about Brock Lesnar Joe, and it's got me excited about the talent, the other performers that were in it and how they're going to spin off and what they're going to do. So that was fantastic. I think it's, you know, it shows that WWE does know what they're doing when they put their minds to it. And yeah, I'm really, really excited. I mean, the reason I don't like it, as I hinted about, is just because 
Samoa Joe is the replacement for Braun Strowman. A replacement is a dirty word in wrestling, unfortunately. It means it's probably going to be a one and done. Doesn't mean they can't have a great match which changes people's minds and down the line we can have the second and maybe the third. But that's what I wanted. And I know it's probably never going to happen, so I probably should just be happy with what I'm given. And I know WrestleMania 34 is Roman Reigns versus Brock. But in my dream world, you wouldn't wait till WrestleMania 35 anyway. Maybe SummerSlam or a Survivor Series. My dream world would be that we'd have the big blow-off match between the two at a big, you know, the Royal Rumble or something, and have have a couple of lead-up matches on other pay-per-views. And I just don't, I could be wrong, but I don't think they're going to do that. And I think once, I, I, it's basically setting Samoa Joe up to be eaten alive by Brock Lesnar. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, because they're still going to have a hard-hitting match. I don't, I don't believe WWE will job Samoa Joe out in a 30 seconds and queue six weeks and that does happen and I've got egg on my face. So they're going to have a hard-hitting good match that people will enjoy, but ultimately Brock Lesnar will go through and move on. I just hope that it's the, the quality of everything Joe does is so good that he comes out the other side feeling like a bigger deal because I do not want Samoa Joe to fall off the radar. And I really did want a proper feud between Joe and Lesnar, but that, again, that really is me pulling at straws. I should just be happy I'm getting the match. Because there was a time in WWE that none of us are getting Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe. And it really, you know, him winning that Fatal Five-Way match the way he did, you know, it wasn't a fluke finish or anything like that. He was, he was uh, meticulous and, and methodical. And he picked his moment, choked Finn Balor out. Finn Balor sold like a trooper, which helped massively. You know, so he does come out feeling like a main eventer. Because he is a main eventer. He's certainly got the skill to be a main eventer. So yeah, great all round. I really did think they go with Finn Balor or Seth Rollins. Again, I don't think they did because they actually want to do proper programs with those two and Brock down the line. But hey, Samoa Joe versus Brock is a great match. Top stuff. And again, Extreme Rules top to bottom was good. Even the pre-show. Apollo Crews versus Callisto. And usually I couldn't give two hoots about the pre-show match. But I thought they put on a really good show. It progressed that tightest storyline, which is you know interesting and fun enough. Because it's Apollo Crews lost. It doesn't really work with the uh, the tell they're trying to to tell because, you know, it certainly seems like the advice of Titus is stealing Apollo Crews in the wrong way. What I would like to happen, though, is Apollo Crews embraces Titus even more and there isn't this dynamic of, oh, should I, shouldn't I? They just become this great heel team. Titus is the manager because he's a much better manager than he is a wrestler. So why you can't go that all the way, I don't know. And Apollo Crews can just be this really talented athletic bad guy. I think you could do that with Titus on the mic, like sending out his, his hired goon. He obviously lost here to Callisto, but that's fine because there's got to be a trigger point for wherever this is going. I probably think it will end with Apollo Crews versus Titus O'Neil, and Callisto will just be cannon fodder or you know a shadow in the background. And that's a shame because I think there's more you could do here. But you know, it was one of the better matches on the card. The story progressed. You know, and all in all, I was pleasantly surprised. And it did get me, you know, set up for, 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 the, for the night, which is what the pre-show, you know, should do. So I think we, we should always call a spade a spade and give, uh, give props when we deserve to give props. So well done to Apollo Crews and Callisto and Titus O'Neil, who does get a lot of hate. But I enjoy this. I really do. Maybe I've just in a good mood this week. But I, I quite enjoy the, uh, the dynamic between, not necessarily Callisto. I do like Callisto, but I think you could, I think I'd move him on to 205 Live tomorrow. He's a star. He'll help that division. But this was good, as was The Miz versus Dean Ambrose, which opened the show proper. And the stipulation was dumb. Because, you know, in a real fight, if, I, if you, I'm fighting you, and we both know that if the other guy gets DQ'd, we'll win the belt, then you just get a mate to come and punch you in the face. And The Miz has a mate in Maurice. But at the same time, it is wrestling. You do have to tell a narrative of sorts. So it's a bit silly to treat. I mean, it should be real at times. And it should be presented seriously. But 
at the same time, I think sometimes you've got to paper over those cracks and not worry about it so much. And we did build to that. I mean, the story they told here was that Dean Ambrose had to try and keep his anger in check, which sometimes he almost didn't do. And eventually the Miz kind of realized, oh, I can just get my wife to punch me in the face. But it was also nice that the referee took charge. Too many times in WWE, the ref doesn't take charge. And the referee comes across like some goof. But he didn't. He knew what was you know, happening here. Uh, he eventually got suckered in by the end. But until that point, he was controlling the match, which is what a referee should do. And the finish came when you know, um, uh, the Miz pushed Dean Ambrose into the ref. The ref was going to DQ uh, Dean Ambrose. And Dean Ambrose was like, no, no, you know, you've got the wrong end of the stick. And then the Miz skull crushed Finale when he was uh, distracted and he won. And this was, the, this was definitely the right finish. I don't think the IC belt does anything for Dean Ambrose. The, it's far, uh, the Miz is just a better talker in terms of putting that belt over. And they won't just because of the finish. But I'd be happy for Dean Ambrose and the Miz to go on their own merry way now. I don't need to see this anymore. You know, I'm, we saw it so much on SmackDown. And while this was actually one of their better matches, and I did enjoy the stipulation in the end, which I didn't think I was going to, I just don't think we need to see these guys go at it anymore. You know, so many other times WWE's just said, nope, <laughs> we're not doing this anymore. And I, I think we can do that here. I don't think that's a problem. I, I wouldn't be upset by that. I, it's overkill by this stage. I don't think anything that... I mean, it's not like Dean Ambrose is going to win the belt back, so it's not going to help Dean Ambrose. The Miz is the Miz. He's not really going to change much now. He's, find his, he's found his niche. So let's move on. Let's move on. Let's draw a line under this and, and, and say fare thee well, which we should also probably do with Bailey versus Alexa Bliss, which unfortunately was just a terrible match all round. I, I just, I do not, I mean, WWE have done such a bad job with Bailey that she got booed. Bailey got booed. The lovable, I just want to hug people and, you know, uh, warm, you know, make kids warm to me, got booed by a crowd. And it's not her fault. But she gets put like a loser, as she did again here. The whole point of this match was she didn't want a normal match because she wanted to prove that she could whoop somebody's ass in a kendo stick match. And all that happened was she got the kendo stick and then couldn't really use it properly. Be that because she was too nice or too clumsy. But it just, it, how could, it, didn't, it made her come across like a goof. And how can you get behind a good guy that's meant to be a goof? Because ultimately, the good guys that you love the most are either, you know, genuinely lovable chaps. I'm not saying Bailey's not because she is, but she's not presented that way. Whereas Daniel Bryan came across that way. Or you want somebody you want to be like Stone Cold Steve Austin. We all wanted to be Stone Cold Steve Austin because he was a walking badass. What is Bailey? A buffoon. An absolute buffoon. So she lost the kendo stick. Alexa Bliss then, you know, whooped her ass with it. Hit a DDT. One in about five minutes. I mean, I guess it helps Alexa Bliss, but it doesn't really because this feud was stupid from the start. And this match was rubbish. But it doesn't hurt her as much as it help, help hurts Bailey. What do you do with Bailey now? And also, it seems like that's it. It seems like we're now going into Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss, which is, again, not a feud I massively want to see. Who's the face in that? But yeah, I just... I don't understand what they think Bailey is. Or they understand how they should market or present her to, to, to get her where she was in NXT. And I know in NXT it took a long time and she lost a lot, but she never lost like this. She never came across like a bumbling idiot. Here, she most definitely came across like a bumbling idiot. It was bad. It was, I, I don't like saying it was bad because they still worked hard and you know, still a lot of the stuff they did is difficult to pull off. But in terms of the concept and the aura and the atmosphere, this was stupid. It just was. And it wasn't as bad, but I, I got nothing out of Alexa, Alexa Bliss, out of Sasha Banks and Noam Dar. No, wait. Alicia Fox and Noam Dar versus Sasha Banks and Rich Swan. Again, it was fine. 
But I just don't... It just felt like filler. It was a, a short match that could have been on Raw. They kind of were all there just to get on the card. And in many ways, it was worse than the Bliss Bailey match because and I said this differently on my What Culture Ups and Downs video that meh is, is not as bad as bad. But maybe meh is worse because meh is like, I don't even care. Like, I'm not even invested. At least when something's bad, I'm passionate about it. And I have something to say. I've got nothing to say about this match. I mean, Swan and uh, Banks are quite a good team, but mostly because they got nothing going on as singles competitors. So at least, you know, they felt like they had some kind of chemistry together. Alicia Fox and Noam Dar, whatever. I'm not really into that. It's kind of been going on too long. It's not presented as serious. Again, not that it has to be, but I, I mean, what else can you say? If you enjoyed it, good for you. It wasn't for me. I did enjoy the cage match. I thought Sheamus and Cesaro the Hardys was great. A lot of people have said they don't like the fact that it was both guys had to get out of the cage. But again, it's pro wrestling. You've got to insert something into it. And in this case, the story they told was, you know, uh, Jeff got out early, which was dumb because it left Matt to the wolves. You know, Sheamus and Cesaro, they went, okay, fine, we'll whoop his ass. But then there was that almost redemption story of Jeff Hardy getting back in the cage by hitting a whisper in the wind off the top, which looked amazing, was executed very safely, which made it even more fun to watch. Then Matt Hardy trying to you know, sort the situation out by dragging his fallen brother who had come back to help him out of the cage, which allowed the heels, Seamus and Cesaro, to take advantage and get out in the nick of time, at literally seconds before. So they kind of steal the titles, but that's okay because they're meant to be like you know the heels. The Hardy Boys don't lose any face, which they probably wouldn't have done anyway because they're the Hardy Boys. And Sheamus and Cesaro did need to win because leading up to this point, they'd lost every match pretty much between them and the Hardys. And it means the feud can continue. And to be honest, I'm not bored of the feud. So while the stipulation may have been a bit over the top and you know the Hardys now look a bit dumb because they suggested a cage match and now lost, I liked it. I really enjoyed the match. I really enjoy everybody in it. I was never a big Jeff Hardy fan back in the day, but maybe it's just because nostalgia or the way he holds himself. I think he's great. So that allows me to enjoy it even more. I think Sheamus and Cesaro are a phenomenal team. You know, I would never have said that when they were first put together, but WWE stayed the course, turned them bad. They've got a real chemistry together. Absolutely love them. Yeah, the best, the, the best tag teams that Raw has to offer. I'm intrigued to see where they go because you could start telling the broken storyline depending on, I mean, after that TNA fall or Impact fallout last week. It certainly doesn't seem like we're any closer to getting the, the broken universe characters. But the story has been planted because did Jeff make a mistake by coming back in the ring? Should he got out as early as he'd done? Is Matt Hardy going to be mad at him? There's questions that Raw has to answer. I thought it was a top match. Second best match on the show for me. Um, well, up there with... I mean, the problem with Aries versus Neville, which was also a great match, the crowd just didn't care. And again, it's not the crowd's fault because they've been conditioned as soon as those ropes go purple not to care. But when the crowd is that dead, it's really hard to get into a match. And Austin Aries and Neville are probably two of the most talented people on the whole roster. They never had bad matches. But it's, it's difficult to, to have that emotional attachment when no one live there does. Because you almost need that, uh, that rush and that emotion to bleed through the TV into your, into your soul. <laughs> And when that doesn't happen, it does have an effect. Again, you know, the quintessential match, WrestleMania 18, Hogan versus The Rock. If the crowd hadn't been as ravenous and as riled up as they were that night, we wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as we did. But that energy filtered through your TV into your living room or wherever you happened to watch it. And it made you feel excited. It made you feel good. And it was the opposite here. You know, this was a great match. Uh, you know, if you were training to be a pre professional wrestler, you should watch this and learn and take away from it as much as you can. But ultimately, a pro wrestling match does need 
multiple box to be ticked and one of the biggest one which the crowd just wasn't into it so I took it away I think Neville winning is a good idea I think we can now steer Austin Aries' character maybe more towards a bad guy which is what he's best at it's made Neville feel like a really credible champion which is a rarity in WWE nowadays nobody feels I mean maybe other than Brock Lesnar nobody feels like a credible champion so that was really smart I guess it depends again what happens on Raw going forward I'm not necessarily feeling the need to see this feud continue but at the same time, where else do you go? I mean, you've got TJP, but there's nobody else on that 205 Live roster that's ready for a title shot. I love Jack Gallagher, but they're just not using him right. Noam Dar and Rich Swanner, you know, they're being used. Grand Metalik's never showing up. If Kalisto moved across, I'd be all right with that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, to be honest, I would, I'd be happy with Austin Aries going off with TJP for a while and having a Neville versus Kalisto championship program. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But it was still good. You know, it was a good quality match that you can enjoy as a wrestling fan. And it was on this show. So in that sense, you know, you can't criticize it too much. We also had the segment with uh, the Drifter. Or um, what's his first name? Eli- Eli- is it Elijah Sampson? That's not right, is it? Elias Sampson? I can't remember his name. What an idiot I am. Now, admittedly, the segments he does, you could argue are, I'm going to turn my television off heat. In the sense that nobody wants to hear him sing his song. The song is deliberately terrible. The song deliberately goes on for about 72 years. You know, there's a lot to hate about it. But I still, you know, I still see a guy going out there whose job is to rile up the crowd and doing such a good job of riling up the crowd that everybody hates him. I'd be intrigued to know what kind of hate it is. I don't necessarily think it is, you know, uh, turn off turn off my TV TV heat. I mean, I could be wrong. But I like him. I think there's something there. He's different. And, you know, given the role that he's been given, given the role he's been given, I don't think you can criticize him too much. Or I don't feel like I want to criticize him too much. I, 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 th- I liked his segment. I thought it was entertaining, funny. I mean, I, could I handle it every week? Potentially not. And it's not like he's the best in-ring worker either. So we'll have to see how, how, how it transpires. But I actually thought this was quite entertaining in a weird way maybe i'm the idiot but please do let me know and that was it i mean that was extreme rules it was you know it wasn't that many matches it was five matches total obviously we had the drifter segment i thought it was decent i enjoyed it i mean again there were two low lights with where the women were involved and that's not because it was the women involved it was just the 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 way of things but i did enjoy it i did think it was good and like i say i'm intrigued to tune into raw later and if, if, if i'm intrigued to tune into raw surely they've they've achieved They've achieved what they went. They set out to achieve. So yeah, I thought it was solid. I, I thought it was really, really, really solid. And Samoa Joe winning definitely surprised me. I thought it was going to be Seth Rollins or Finn Balor, but I'm excited about it aside from the, the reservations that I have. So yeah, I mean, definitely one of the better B pay-per-views. And maybe I enjoyed it more than WrestleMania, to be honest. I'd have to, I mean, maybe not from the spectacle point of view and how you know feverishly exciting I always, uh, excited I always am about WrestleMania. And I'd say that's the same for the Royal Rumble as well. But it was decent. It was decent. It's a lot better than I expected. And I think, you know, everybody involved should be proud of themselves. And I'm sure them hearing that Simon Miller, so nobody is proud of them, makes their day. So, I mean, that we've run through that in about 20 minutes. So we will answer some questions quickly. I realize this is a lot shorter than the usual Simon Miller Pro Wrestling Podcast. But like I say, life has been crazy. And I didn't just want to leave you hanging. Especially when I said I'd get one up yesterday and then life went, nope. Uh, but I did ask some questions. So at Wrestling Talk ninety seven on Twitter, all these are on Twitter. What's your favorite finisher? Well, there's loads here. We'll do them one at a time. What's your favorite finisher? It's a bit boring, but it's a Stone Cold Stunner. 
swiftly probably followed by the RKO, maybe switching music too. But it's for all the same reasons. They're finishes you can hit out of nowhere. And finishes that you can hit out of nowhere are just incredibly fun because you never know when they're coming. And Steve Austin always treated the stunner like a big deal. I mean, few people did kick out of it. And in the Attitude Era, that's almost where this the idea of the finisher was running to the ground because you knew at WrestleMania everybody was going to kick out of everybody else's finish. But the stunner to me, maybe just because of how old I was and the nostalgia and you know growing up during that time, just a great move. And he executed it well every time. Just got me excited. You know, made me react every time I saw it. And sometimes he only relied on that and it was fine. So yeah, definitely that. Who is your favorite mid-carder of all time? This is when you need to read the questions beforehand. Who is your favorite mid what it so I guess somebody that stayed in the mid-card that I always liked. I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, my favorite mid-carder at the moment would be Rusev. I think it's fair to say that he's a mid-carder. Maybe dialing the clock back a bit. A bit out of nowhere. I'd probably say he's a lower-card guy. I was always a big fan of Carlito. Never really understood why. Just got a kick out of him. Same with Santino Morella. Always made me laugh. Always warmed to him. Always wanted to see them both do more. Way back in the day, I loved the model Rick Martel. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, he, I always got a rise out of him. Same with Rick Rude. I think you could probably say that Rick Rude made it to the main event, at least in WCW. But that's the selection at the top of my head. Big Boss Man, too. Always like the Big Boss Man. So far this year, which pay-per-view has been the best? Put Extreme Rules in there. I think. I did enjoy WrestleMania. It was too long. The Royal Rumble was fine, but I didn't really like the winner, so that kind of took it away from me. Am I missing a really, really good pay-per-view? I don't think so. I can't really answer that because I don't think there's been an amazing pay-per-view this year. Like, Extreme Rules probably wasn't the best pay-per-view this year. It's probably because it's fresh in my memory and it wasn't terrible. So I, I, I enjoyed that. And again, I did enjoy watching WrestleMania. It was just too long. But, you know, the Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg stuff was great and I didn't much care for the main event. But, you know, other than that, it was decent. So, I don't know. Thank you for your questions. Dan Meller, I start my first training session today. What advice would you give? I presume you mean pro wrestling training. And it's the same thing I say to anyone. Expect it to be incredibly hard because it is, but don't give up. And eventually, when you get past that hurdle, you'll realize that you can do this. You do have the mental capacity and the physical capacity to teach your body, but it is about you know grinding it out and driving through. And I'm sure you've heard that a thousand times from a thousand different people. And I'm certainly not the authority to answer such a question. You know, I've only been pro wrestling training for, for eight months or whatever it is. But that is how you get better. And that's not just for pro wrestling training. That's for anything. Anything that's worth ha having or worth going after is hard. It's rare that those things are handed to you on a, on, a, on a silver platter. So just remember, even in those moments when you want to quit, keep on going. Because if you do want to quit, you're still going to want to quit in six weeks. And then you can actually make a considered decision. As opposed to that first time when you get the rush. Like, oh, I want to quit. Don't quit then. Because that's just, you know, going back into Big Boss Man. That's just when hard times have come. And you're always going to get hard times. Like, I love the gym. Like we said at the beginning of this podcast, I, I trained to do a bodybuilding competition. And there were times I didn't want to go to the gym. I was run down. I was exhausted. But I went. And I love the gym. But because it was hard times. <laughs> but I got through those hard times. And I fought through. And I competed. And I'm not going to tell you how, how I did here. That, that, that's, that's for the, the people on, on, the, on that old Patreon. And that's not because I did badly. That's not because I did well. There is a story behind it. But the point is, is that I made it. And I could have quit, but I didn't. Um, oh, man. All the questions. I accidentally closed it down. And all the questions have changed order. Thanks, Twitter. Still. Jordan, J underscore Morris 180. Is Will Ospreay the best British wrestler at the moment? He's certainly up there. 
I think he'd certainly be in the argument, but I think it depends on what you look for in British wrestling because, you know, Marty Skull would be in the conversation, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne. The match they had at NXT Chicago was fantastic. Trent Seven is really good. And there's loads of sort of, you know, under-the-radar guys, unless you're really into, into British wrestling, who are, who are tearing up right now. I think Will Ospreay is probably the most successful because he's made a name for himself and, and almost defined a style. And that's not to say he's not the best. There's every chance that he is. But I think it, it all depends on what you look for in a professional wrestling match. And I think there's a lot of UK guys that could that could be in the conversation. It'd be hard to, to argue. Uh, Blair Kennedy at Superwell1886. What has YouTube got against wrestling? Well, technically, YouTube's got nothing against wrestling. It's just YouTube's new algorithms and YouTube's new approach to ensuring that, you know, big clientele's advertising doesn't appear on what they deem to be bad content has gone, you know, utterly up the wazoo. Because this all started, obviously, when I think a Nike advert or something like that appeared on a, on a hate video or a terror video or something like that. And obviously, they kicked off. And rather than actually sit down and work this out specifically, YouTube have just done a blanket, a blanket ban for everyone. So that is stupid. There's no two ways about that. It's a stupid business practice. Wrestling should not be classified as you know, derogatory or, or offensive content. But let's hope, I mean, you know, the world is a very difficult place at the moment. But let's hope YouTube sees some sense, gets specific with this stuff, and actually hires a, hires a team to, to wade through the filth as opposed to just dubbing anything that could be seen as filth as filth. But it is stupid. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Wrestling shouldn't have been harming wrestling. You know, it shouldn't be wrestling shouldn't have been harmed on YouTube the way it has been. It's stupid and it's unfair. And you know, what culture especially don't deserve the uh, the treatment they're currently getting. Christopher Hall says best heels and faces on today's WWE roster. But again, it depends how you define a face and a heel. I'd say Finn Balor's a very good face because more or less people get behind him and they want him to win. You know, I think that's the whole point of a face. You want them to win. And the drifter, I put that up there as a good heel because everybody hates him. I mean, name me a heel that everybody hates. Samoa Joe's a heel. Not everybody hates him. We all love him. Rusev's a heel. We all love him. I mean, even The Miz. We don't like The Miz, but we get a kick out of him to a certain extent. So even he isn't a good heel, for lack of a better term. So it's difficult. Heels and faces don't really exist in WWE nowadays. You kind of pick the people you like, be it because they're funny on social media or they carry themselves well or they cut a good promo. And you don't really buy into their actions, which again, which is why I like I like the Drifter because he does piss people off. Even if he's pissing them off in the wrong way, I guess you could argue the other way then. But, you know, there's something about him. Stan Barker, if you could choose any current roster superstar to receive a gender-style push, who would it be? Rusev. Easy. Yeah, and apparently that was the spot he was supposed to have, but Jinder took it for him. Again, no problem with the Jinder push whatsoever. If that's what they want to do, I've got too many other problems to worry about it. But Rusev, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy from the block. So far, has your own experience training to be a wrestler changed the way you view a product? Absolutely. Absolutely. Before, maybe I'd be very critical of a match or you know, get the, take away the feeling that it wasn't very good. But now I don't see that. Even what would be considered a bad match, I don't see as a bad match because I know how hard all these little things are. Say you have Dana Brooke versus Alicia Fox and they screw the whole thing up. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Because even putting a headlock on and taking somebody over is really difficult. And the fact that you know, they're even able to do that in front of thousands of people and on camera to me is incredible. Sometimes I can't do it in front of three people in a gym. So it really has. I don't like criticizing matches anymore. I don't think it's fair. It's such a, it takes such a high level of skill. And the fact these people are doing it to begin with, it just seems wrong of me to take shots at it. So yeah, it really, really has. I have far much more respect for it. Uh, especially the whole, you know, does it hurt kind of a thing. 
And so now, yeah, I try not to be as critical as maybe I once was. And I think that I don't, I'm not saying everybody should do that. I think you should enjoy wrestling in your own way, and you know, being critical, being critical, and slagging stuff off can be fun. But I can't do it when I know how hard it is. So it's definitely changed in that sense. Jaden Earnshaw, who do you think WWE could bring into the cruiserweight division to breathe some life into it? Callisto. We did this. He's right there. You don't even have to go outside of your own walls. Just put Callisto in it. Other than that, there's loads of other guys. I mean, I, I try and get Rey Mysterio back and try. I know this seems like a step down for him, but if you're serious about it, put a proper star in there. And Callisto could fill that role. He's not a proper star, but he has, you know, he's more of a name than, I don't know, Drew Gulak. And I like Drew Gulak, but that's not somebody that has been given any chance on the WWE main roster. At least Callisto has had some time beating the Lucha Dragons or his runners. He was US champion for a while, right? I'm making that up. Anyway, he's had some prominent matches as opposed to anyone else. Who do you want to face AJ Styles at WrestleMania 34, says John Casey. I think we all agree that we want Nakamura. Because if we get Nakamura versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania 34, not only are we going to get one of the best matches we've seen in years at WrestleMania, and I don't mind Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar anyway. However, if you do, I think you'll agree that if you know you're getting Nakamura versus AJ Styles, that's your main event. So who gives a, you know, who gives a shit what they do in the main event when you've got that? And I would imagine hearing everything, that is where they're heading. It does seem like they're going to team up on SmackDown for a while, plant the seed. AJ can play heel, we know that. Nakamura is just a, a bona fide, charismatic babyface. If not WrestleMania 34, it should be soon. There are no spring chickens, but I would guess April, March next year, whenever WrestleMania 34 is, that's what, uh, that's what you're going to be getting. Uh, Paul Thomas, with Jinder's Rise being linked to India as a market, are there any other wrestlers who could benefit from similar scenarios? Well, I'm sure if all of a sudden they wanted to make a big push into Ireland, Sheamus could benefit. Same with the, I mean, they already are focusing on the UK. I guess UK wrestlers do get a rub from that. But yeah, sure. I mean, if all of a sudden they think, I don't know, Brazil is a big market they want to tackle, I'm sure they get a Brazilian guy in there. I think it all depends if the Jinder stuff works. We're not going to know if the Look, if, if we get numbers back from India and WWE is now making millions of dollars because Jinder Mahal's champion, then we're all fools forever criticizing it because it's a business at the end of the day. And they want to make money. And yeah, they should have done it better and they should have built him. But if it works, then it's hard to criticize. But I'd be up for them trying it again as long as this one works. If this one doesn't work, maybe maybe, maybe don't do it again. Chad Bennett, should Money in the Bank be a cross-band pay-per-view? If so, which other one should be to make it six a year? I don't really understand the last part of that question. But the first part, I totally agree with you. Money in the Bank should be a, a cross-band pay-per-view. It should be three guys from Raw, three guys from SmackDown. I also don't think there should be two. I would have been perfectly happy with Money in the Bank, the women's one, just being the women's one the men didn't have one this year. That's cool. The briefcase is a fun story, regardless whether it's on a woman, a man, a goat, a child, a lemur, a bean. You know, it's the story and the excitement of, oh, who's going to cash it in as opposed to a man's going to cash it in. It depends how you tell the story, but I do think having two waters it down. However, yes, I would have made it cross-branded. And if you want to have the woman compete for Money in the Bank, yeah, make that the only one. Make it feel important. But... I definitely think it should have been cross-branded. Absolutely. <laughs> Daniel W. Perry, why does YouTube hate what culture? We've done that. Mr. Hugo, will you ever give Stephanie the Man a Stone Cold Stunner? Very unlikely. Don't put any money on that one. Rob Andrew Dongapon. Interesting. What is your take about wrestling being banned on YouTube? <laughs> We've done that. And Francis Reyes, who poses better, you or Hogan? That is a, that is a, that is a very specific question. Look, no one poses better than Hulk Hogan. Let's not let's not get into I mean let's do it a little bit the rumour is that Hulk Hogan is now in talks with Vince McMahon and WWE and may come back is that good is that bad 
For me, I don't think Hulk Hogan should ever be welcomed back into the WWE. I think what he said and what he did was unforgivable. I, I don't you know, know the, the 100% the specifics of what was going on in his head, but I don't think Hulk Hogan brings anything back to the product. I'm more than happy with, and I include myself in this, enjoying Hulk Hogan when he was a household name and having him on the network and having him in the Hall of Fame. You don't have to pretend he's dead. You can still focus on him because he was such an important part of pro wrestling history. Um, and I know maybe the, the, the argument there is, well, what about Chris Benoit? Utterly different. What Hulk Hogan did was despicable. What Chris Benoit did was something else entirely. You know, I, I don't care how good a wrestler Chris Benoit was. What he did is unforgivable. And yeah, you should probably do what WWE... You should do, in my opinion. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but that's just what I think. Hulk Hogan said some very stupid and some very immature and some very ignorant things. I don't know whether he's a racist or not. I don't think that's for me to comment on, but I also don't think he should be welcomed back with open arms after saying and doing those things. Even if he is sorry, who... I don't... I, I don't think, I just don't think he brings anything anymore. And the only thing I'm ever going to see is an old dude who I'm pretty sure is massively racist. <laughs> and yeah, I just don't want, I don't want to see it. So I, I, I know a lot of people disagree with that. And I know a lot of people are probably going to get annoyed and tweet me and tell me I'm an asshole and all these kind of things. And I loved Hulk Hogan back when I was a kid. Of course I did. Every kid loved Hulk Hogan to a certain degree. But, and I, you know, I don't know. I just, I just don't think after. Why should he be allowed back after, after what he said? Because he sold out WrestleMania three. WrestleMania three doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Other things do. And also, I just don't see what, what does he bring. He comes out. He gets his nostalgia pop. He cuts his promo. He does his posing, which is where we got, you know, where, where this took us. And then what? Eventually, it gets watered down, and all you're left with is, you know, is some guy you remembered from when you were a kid. But I'd be intrigued to let you know your thoughts in the Facebook group. Search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Let me know. Maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe I'm not looking at it in the right way. Just an opinion. Certainly doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong either. Could be wrong. Doesn't mean it for sure. So that's it. That's just the quick, uh, you know, binding podcast just so we're back on track. Uh, the Week in Gaming will go up today or tomorrow. I'm going to record it in a second. It just depends how quickly I can get it up. We'll be back on Wednesday. You can get two this week, or technically, you know, it's not because we didn't get one last week. But, you know, get back into that routine. I just thought I'd smash out an Extreme Rules chat and answer those questions. So I'm not leaving you hanging. Uh, but as always, come find me on Twitter at Simon316. Please do subscribe to my YouTube channel as well, actually. YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash The Middle Report Rules. We have to get through June. I've got major news about that at the end of June, and I'm going to need all the support I can possibly get. So if you're listening to this and you don't want to do anything else, please go to youtube.com forward slash Lee forward slash the middle report rules. Sub, and you can unsub if you don't like where it's going. I can't talk about it to the end of the month, but I'm going to need some help. <laughs> so please do do that if you've got it in your heart. Uh, of course, if you'd rather support me through Patreon, that would be great too. Patreon gone for us. That's 316. There's certain rewards on there like t-shirts and postcards and you can come on here if you want to have a chat on here. And hopefully we'll have someone on the Wednesday podcast, but it's difficult to, to arrange these things at the moment. And I think that's everything. Leave us an iTunes review. More importantly, just go out there and have yourself a lovely little day. Like I say, we're going to talk again on Wednesday. So it's not that far away. If you're listening on Monday, it's only two days. And if you're listening on Tuesday, it's tomorrow. And if you're listening on Wednesday, you get a double header. And if you're listening on Thursday, that one's already happened. Now it's in the past. And we've moved forward. And given everything going on in the world at the moment, I think just forgetting about those atrocities and enjoying a bit of pro wrestling is no bad thing. Once again, very sorry about the delay. Bodybuilding is a crazy thing. If you'd like to hear more, I am going to talk about that tomorrow on the Patreon. 
But for now, I've been Simon Miller. You have been listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for deeming that my voice blaring into your ears is worthy of your precious time. And I mean that. It means a lot. Going to be back in two days. Sorry about last week. Keep kicking ass. I'm going to speak to you soon.